Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited you decided to join us today. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You aren't going to find anything else like it. They are our sponsors because I own three of them and I truly believe in this machine. I truly believe in the people that work there and the product. Uh, Mention Coach Unplugged and we'll give you $400 off. Just say Coach Collins sent me. Coach Unplugged sent me and they'll take really, 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 really good care of you. Trust me. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial. Um, You're going to want to check it out before prices increase. You know, it's just that things happen. (laughs) Coach Collins has only got so many hours in a day. Go over and check it out. It's got the roadmap. It's got everything that you need to become a better basketball coach in one stop. You know, if you're looking for clinic videos, if you're looking how to break a 1-3-1, if you're looking how to run a zone offense, if you're looking how... To, to pick an offense if you're looking for anything it's got it there for you as i hit my microphone oh well um it you know and it also helps us pay the bills helps us keep all these podcasts um the high school hoops and five minute basketball coaching podcasts and funnel down and all these things free to you um teachhoops.com is what pays the bills and keeps the lights on so um we'd love if you went over and check that out and let's head off to the podcast all right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Uh, so, Bruce, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and then kind of tell your basketball journey, um, kind of where you started, where you are now, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into a couple of different topics that we're going to talk about today. Great. Now, my, my name is Bruce Hamburger. I'm the associate head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University, which is a Division One program in northern New Jersey. Um, I've been very fortunate. I, from the day I graduated college, I, I've been a college basketball coach. Um, and my story is probably a little unique in the sense that I really haven't moved out of the New York, New Jersey area to coach. Right? And not that, that I haven't, I, I have not, not that I probably haven't, I have not. Um, you know, I, I started right out of college. I, I, I received a graduate assistant position at, at a division three school. 
uh, Trenton State College, which is now called the College of New Jersey, which is in one of the best Division three leagues in the country. And I was there for two years as a graduate assistant. I worked for a terrific coach, Kevin Bannon, who ended up becoming the coach at Ryder University and Rutgers in New Jersey. Um, you know, as, and I say this to young coaches all the time, if you can coach at the D3 level, and I, I know everyone wants to sit on the bench at the Big Ten and the Big East level right off their first job, but if you can get a Division three job, uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it because you get involved in all aspects. You're coaching, you're recruiting, you're scouting. Uh, you're, you're just doing everything as opposed to being the – 14th guy on a staff at a high major school. right can you do you think that do you think the movement can happen you and i were talking before we came online about how a lot of d1 guys are are moving downward to d3 for yep. like quality of life and they got small kids can is the process like when i was coming up it was hard to go i mean obviously wisconsin is a different world in the right. Dick bennett and ryan both came mm -hmm. from d3 yep. um brad steven you know all those guys but for the most part, do is that is that a, is that an avenue that coaches can take? Does that happen? How does that work? I still think it does. Yes, um, I mean it's difficult. I, I I think, and again, you know, and as we we'll talk. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my my kind of journey, my steps. But to me, I think if you if you can coach at the D three level and get your foot in the door as an assistant, I think it's a terrific opportunity. Now, I, again, I, I say that with also, I don't think you stay there real long. I think you try to move up the ladder. You, again, you network, you, you, you use every contact you have. But I, right. I think what it does is it just gives you the ability to show that, okay, I have recruited, I have coached, I've scouted. You know, you, you can talk in an interview about kids you've recruited. You can show – a head coach here here are my scouting reports here are my video edits here here here's my player development stuff so I, I do think you you can do that um but I think it, what it does it gives you just such a background of, of practical hands-on work right and, and the thing is that from the high school level to the college level is much harder because they're not convinced that you can recruit yeah you know in my younger days when I was looking we had been really successful and it's like I would have almost had to go take it. I'd, I'd have gone, I'd had to go show I was going to be able to recruit first. Cause mm -hmm. the game, a lot of the, even at the D three level, the game is recruiting. Yep. Yep. It is. It is. And, but I, I still think somewhere, I hope at least that coaches are still looking at guys who can teach and coach. Right. Um, Cause again, you know, it goes both ways. You, you obviously need to recruit and bring the kid in. But then when you get them there, you're going to make them better, you know, especially right. at the lower levels where you're not getting a finished product. You're not yeah. getting the McDonald's All-American. You're taking the, the diamond in the rough. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and and the, other, the other thing I think coaching at lower levels does is it, it, it enables you to develop a recruiting process where you find those kids, you know, where you can walk into a summer camp with four or 500 kids and figure out, you know, who everyone can tell you the top 20 kids in a camp. That's not hard. But can you look and you know, and again, it's it's literally like mining for gold. You know, you're you're just you're digging through and trying to find a couple pieces. How do you so okay? So we're gonna get back to your journey because this yep. is just too interesting for me. So okay, so when I go to these AAU things, like like you said, I can pick out like it's like picking my team. 
you could probably pick my top. If I, if you come into my gym on tryout day and there's 30 kids, you can pick my top three players out in about three minutes. Sure. Like, but then when you get from four to 15, it's a little yeah. bit harder. Mm-hmm. Well, when there's, when you go one of the, I mean, I just don't, I literally don't know how at the division one level you do it because we all know the ones that are going to Duke, <laughs> but right. how do you, I mean, it's got to be a difficult, you're looking for all the intangibles too, I'm guessing, huh? Yeah, definitely. Intangibles. I, I think you're looking, you're trying to project down the road a little bit saying, okay, well this kid, you know, yeah, his body's not right, right at this moment for this level, but we have a good strength and conditioning coach. We have a good weight training program. We, we've seen guys similar to him and what a year, year and a half can do to his body. If, if he puts the time in, then it goes back to, yeah, does the kid have a work ethic? You know, is, does the kid love to play? Does, does the kid love the process of getting better? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it, it, the, low, the mid, the lower D1 level, D2, D3, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Because, again, you're, you're, you know, okay, here, you know which teams not to even watch, not to pay attention to because they don't have kids for your level. Obviously, you got to figure out your academic component. Maybe there's, you know, kids that are all Ivy League and Patriot League players on that AAU team that you're just not going to even watch and pay attention to. But you you try to hone in on, again, like, you know, what's your demographic in terms of where you get kids from? um, And your radius. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. Exactly. But but it's like um, I tell my players, I said – if I'm walking into a gym, because I've tried to do this before, just as an experiment, I said, what I'm looking for is when I'm looking for when the ball is not in their hands. I'm looking mm-hmm. for everything other than them. And they go, what do you mean? I go, I'm looking at how they interact with their teammates. I'm looking yeah. at how they run off the court. I'm looking if they're diving on the floor. I mean, I can see the kid that's got the, the handles and got the moves. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's probably lots of them in the gym, but I'm looking for all that other stuff because – it's when people aren't watching, like, what are they doing yeah. when I'm not watching? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, one, and it's hard cause you're watching, but it's like, it's one of those, it's the math teacher in me. That's, I want the other variables that aren't like, I can go watch you in your high school gym and you know, I'm in the stands. It's going to be different than, you know, me watching you from the corner and maybe you not necessarily knowing I'm there and well, how are you interacting with your coach and the kids and, and all those things, I think. No, that's- no, definitely. I mean, I, I think any good college coach is, is looking at those things because, you know, co- co- the college basketball season and college basketball career, it's not a straight line. I mean, it's ups, it's downs, it's it's all over the place. And, yeah, if, if the kid in an AU tournament is not interacting with teammates, his coaches, the officials – who are we to think that we're going to get that kid to change, <laughs> right, you know, right. which a lot of college coaches do think, Oh, right. I'm going to be the guy to get this kid to change. Right. But, you know, I don't know how much, you know, if, if those are the negatives, I don't know how much that. And, kid it, and I tell my guys, it's a, it's a job too. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're playing for a job. Like 100%. it's a good job and it's yep. a fun job. And like I coach, I've coached a couple NBA guys and they make a lot of money, but that's a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, they, they, they still got to go to work and perform. Um, yeah. So wh- before we go on, uh, on your journey here, what's, what tends to be your radius? Like you're not coming to Wisconsin to recruit kids. Yeah. So, I mean, 
We actually have a kid from Ohio, so we okay. have recruited okay. a little bit the Midwest. I mean, we saw the kid in, in an AU tournament in New Jersey. Right. His team was there. We liked him. We got yeah. involved. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, we're uh, East Coast, regional. We, but we do have two – we have two kids from Canada. We have a kid from Illinois. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we try not to limit ourselves. Right. But in the same breath, I mean, New Jersey and New York are obviously – terrific high school basketball areas right you know right. I, I well, then you got Jersey the prep, and then you got the prep schools yes in the, up and down new england in new england yep. it's like yeah yep. you, you don't have to go very far it's basically yeah yeah i mean yeah. we you know we we i think like everyone we try to use our budget wisely and our time wisely and 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 deal with people we know and the re- relationships that we do have right but i i think we're school that's a half hour from New York City. So that's appealing to kids from out of the area. Um, it's right. appealing to the parents from out of the area. So, you know, we, we, we definitely don't want to limit ourselves. Right. Okay, so what happened? So you were at a D3. Let's finish the journey here, and then I've got some practice things. Yeah. So This, I, is, this is what I referred to as Coach Collins birdwalking. Yeah. Like, no. You've ever seen me teach? Birds don't walk in a straight line for anybody that knows that. They walk like – and I bird yeah. walk. I bird walk a lot when I teach, so it's a, it's, it's this is the way I run my podcast. But go ahead. I, yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's, no, that's great. Um, no, so from there, from Trenton State College, I, I actually went then to Seton Hall University, and, and I'll backtrack for 30 seconds. When I was in college, I got a job as a high school assistant. Literally, when I was like 19 years old. I coached in, in high school for three years while, while I was going to college at, at my local high school. We had a kid who was a top 50 player in the country. So I, I basically, the head coach did not want to handle his recruitment. So I handled his recruitment, met a million coaches. Seton Hall was five minutes from where I grew up. Okay. Uh, as a little kid, I used to sneak in the gym when Bill Raftery was the coach at Seton Hall and sneak oh, in the wow. gym and play and watch practice, you know, much different times. There wasn't security and you, you could kind of come and go. So I, I got to know the Seton Hall staff through the recruitment of, of our guy who ended up going to Seton Hall. And they basically had a GA spot on their staff open and contacted me. Would you be interested? And I, you know, I jumped at the opportunity needless to stay. Right. And ended up being at Seton Hall for nine years. So I went from the graduate assistant to, you know, one of the three assistant coaches. And I did all the scouting, game preparation. Back then, only two of the assistants could recruit. So I was, quote, unquote, the basketball guy. Did all the scouting, the video, ran the summer camp. And, you know, from there, so I was there for nine years. And, then and who was had, the head when you were there? Uh, PJ Colissimo, who, you know. Hall of Famer. Yeah, coached, you know, in the NBA for a oh, long time. You know, I was there 1989. We went to the national championship, you know, lost to Michigan by one point in overtime. And, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable opportunity for me. Again, as a small kid who grew up five minutes from the campus and used to sneak into the gym to play. To, to be able to work there was terrific. And from there, I went to my alma mater, actually, Division three school in New Jersey, Kane University. And I was the head coach there for 11 years. And after that, kind of bounced around a little bit. I was at a D2 school for a year or two, actually coaching the WNBA for two years. Wow. And then I, I went from the WNBA to St. Peter's University in New Jersey. And then for three years, and now I've been – Entering our eighth season at Fairleigh Dickinson. 
So wow. it's been a, a great, I mean, again, I've never worked a day in my life. I, I still believe that. I still look at it that way. And I've been able to stay basically within a hour radius of where I grew up. So it's, it's, I've been, I've been pretty lucky to say that. And, and, and in some respects, that's probably made it a little easier because you have connections, like you have people that. Yes. Yeah. What do you think of this kid or. Yeah, definitely. You know, 100%. Yeah. And, and even going back to when I was at Seton Hall running our summer camp for, for nine years, I, I had so many, it just allowed me, even though I wasn't recruiting relationships with all the high school coaches who wanted to work camp who wanted to send a kid to camp. And, you know, at the end of the week, I'm paying them to work our camp. So they all, they all like me, (laughs) you know, but it just, I mean, it's still like guys are still coaching in this area that, you know, I I became friends with 20 some odd years ago through summer camps at Seton Hall. So do you think this, well, that was big when I was growing up was the summer camp window. Do you think that's the same as it was, or you think it's changed? Yeah. Connection wise for young coaches. I don't, unfortunately, you know, um, I mean, for me, that's how I started, you know, just work a million camps in the summer. And, you know, it, it, it just, even though you're just coaching kids for a week that you probably never see again in your life, you still, had to get to them you had to figure a way to coach them to teach to do stations to interact with other coaches to officiate to you know you just it was a different world I think nowadays everyone wants to coach AAU or or coach you know at, at a recruiting camp so they could be seen by college coaches you know, back then you'd, you know, you'd work 20 hours a day at camp or be up 20 hours a day and, you know, eating pizza at 11 o'clock at night before you go to sleep, talking basketball with with the other coaches in a room, you know, you're all sitting there sweating at the end of the night right? from the summer heat and humidity on the East coast. But it it, it was, boy, those, those were great times. And I, I feel bad. A lot of young guys don't have those experiences now. You know, I just think the whole, the whole summer camp market has really changed. Well, it was well when I was growing up. You either went to um, uh, five star or um, blue chip. Yep. Those yep. were the those were that's where you went if you yep. were, if you were good. Yep. You went to one of those two camps to get seen. So that right. that was kind of the AAU circuit, quote yep. unquote, at the mm-hmm. point. Um, and then there were other camps. Everybody ran camps at that point, but. Um, I, yeah, when I was coming up, you, that's how you networked, you worked right. camps right. You worked, and you popped around, you worked the Wisconsin, you, you just worked around the different camps yep. if you wanted to network. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. yeah, so I just, it, I, it, that's intriguing. I really haven't given it much thought recently, but that's interesting that that's probably changed about how you, um, work your way up the, the chain of command a little bit because you got to yeah. network. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was just such a built-in opportunity. And, and I think too, just to learn the game and just be around. I remember myself where, you know, 20 years old, whatever, 21, yeah. and you're just around, you know, guys who again at the time I thought rolled in their forties or whatever experienced coaches and just listen to them and, and learn from them and just talk basketball with them and, you know, interacting with them. It, it was just, it was such a learning experience for, for a young coach. And, and I think guys today are, um, you know, kind of not cheated out of it because they never had that opportunity, but it, it was just a great experience that I, I, I feel bad. A lot of these 
younger guys coming up don't have the opportunity to experience. So, so talk about that, that thing. Is it, is it, is it everyone always looking for the next job? Cause that's kind of my feeling. So here's one, here's my observation from the outside looking in when I went to the final four in Minneapolis and I hadn't been to one in a while, it literally felt like every assistant coach was looking, they were looking, they're all looking for their next job. It's yeah. crazy in some respects. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, it's almost too, and, and again, we all know people like this, you know, you're sitting there in the lobby, you're talking, you're having a conversation, someone that you think you're friends with or someone that's a good guy, but, you know, you could see as, as, as you're speaking, they're kind of looking over your shoulder, like who's the next person I can talk to? Who, who's bigger than you? in the basketball world to talk to. And I, I think people are like that with jobs. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, you got one foot in, but they're always kind of creeping over the edge to look and what's, and again, there's nothing wrong with obviously improving your situation. Right. But I, I think it's become um, uh, just too, too high a level of that, of, of just, you know, you're, you're, you're preaching to your kids, be loyal, be where you are. And in the same time, you know, the, everyone's looking to get that next opportunity. And I, I was never like that. It probably has hurt me career-wise, even though I've had a great career and I'm not right. complaining, but I, I, maybe I didn't move to, and again, it's crazy saying that where I coached at the Big East level for nine years, but I, you know, I, in retrospect, I should have done it when I was a head coach at the D3 level. Like I kind of right. showed I could coach. I probably, if I could do it again, would have tried to gone back to be a D1 assistant Right. And, and moved up the ladder that way. But again, I'm trust me, I'm not complaining, but it, right. I agree with your point. Yeah. There, it's a lot of just what's next, what's the next job, what's the next job. And you know, everyone's kind of the rent mentality as opposed to settling. Yeah, where your feet are is what I tell my guys. Yeah. Too. Like, um, it's, yeah, I just, I find it, it, it was very intriguing because I was just sitting there watching, like, it's like sitting at an amusement park, just watching people. And it was very, I, you could, you could almost make a TV show out of it. It was pretty comic because yeah. you could see what was happening. And it's no, like, you're right. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're right. Oh. And I, I love going to Final Four. I and I, I've gone to a million of them, obviously, forever since I've been coaching. But there are times, you know, you kind of you walk through the lobby and, and I don't, I don't think I'm saying it like a jaded mindset, but it, it almost is at times like depressing of like, just in, like, you know how fortunate you are. You're a college coach. Like just, right. enjoy, you know, cause everyone goes and they're complaining about this they're complaining about who they work for. It's like, man, if it's that bad then get, go get a real job. Right. Like, yeah. None of us, none of us have real jobs. <laughs> right. Coaches. right. Like, and the thing all, is, it, it, and, and this is what I told all my guys that are recruiting and recruiting it's a job and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, um, probably a billion dollar industry now mm -hmm. at the highest mm -hmm. level. Yep. Um, and I, and I, and I learned this as a high school coach when 
Montgomery said he was at Stanford at the point and sat and was talking to Wesley and said, I'm never leaving. I'm staying here. I'm I, why would I leave Stanford? Blah, blah, blah. Right. A week later, he's a head coach at Golden State. A week yep. later. Yep. And it's like that's that was the day it was like, whoa. Because he convinced me he was never leaving. Like mm-hmm. he convinced me. Well, yep. a better job came up. He has to worry right. about his family. Right. He got millions of dollars to become the Golden State coach. Yep. No, I, I mean, he wasn't lying to us at the point, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those stories I, I've probably told a thousand times, but it's like, it woke me up to like, they're telling you what they believe at that point, but things change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's know, a, and it's I always a tell business. The kids, pick know. the school. Yep. You know? Yep. 100%. <laughs> if you're going it's... to Duke, you can probably pitch, pick the coach cause right. he ain't, he's not going yeah. anywhere anymore. And call apart. I mean, there's some schools that, you know, Gonzaga, mm-hmm. he's probably not leaving. Yep. You probably pick the school and the coach. But most people, you probably are picking the school. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, the coach might be. And, and not enough kids do that, and that's why the transfer rate is so high because, again, the turnover, the change. I have a whole theory about this. If the coach leaves, I think the kids should be able to leave. I really do. I yep. mean no, – I agree coach, with that. The I coach re- that. recruited them. I've, I've yep. always thought that was a weird thing. Like, the coach leaves – and gets a better job, no problem. Maybe they're mid-major and they're going up to the Big mm-hmm. Ten or something. Great. But then the kid should be able to either follow him, mm-hmm. which maybe won't happen in that scenario. But and then, or it should be able to pick a different school at that point, and it, it should be just open. Like yep. this roster is open for the next like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the new guy's got to come in. And it, to be honest with you, I think it would give the new guy a longer life expectancy. Right. Yeah. And here's why, because he's going to start over, start over. Yep. And people will realize that the coaches won't get fired as fast either, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, Cause you know, it's going to be a reset for your program, but not going to happen right now. No, but I I agree with you in theory though. Yeah. In theory, it makes sense. In theory, we shouldn't have the jump ball either. Right. right. (laughs) I've, I've been on a soapbox about that for a long time. Like, um, we throw. Why do we throw one jump ball in high in high school? Like right. why do, one, and yep. there's an overtime. Yep. Um. So let's talk about practice. What what what's what do you, let's just what give me your feelings on practice and structure of practice and your thoughts on practice, and then we'll dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I I know as a head coach that that was my favorite part probably of the day or the night before of just planning practice. I, I just. I just think there's so many thoughts that need to go into it. You know, I think that, I think the, the coaches that are just spitting out, you know, they go on their computer and they find last year's practice at a comparable day and they're doing the same thing. Like there's just, you know, like, what are you doing? Uh, I, you're, I just, you're an average teacher. Yeah. Like from someone right, taught right. for 30 years, you're, yep. you're just coming in, you're cashing the check, man. Yep. You're, yep. yep. Right now, exactly. Using the same lesson plan from last year where, where, you know what, like the topic, again, obviously, all right, if you're teaching math, math not changing dramatically, but you know what, your team and your kids and your program is literally changing every day. And if you're not having a good pulse on your team, even just from the standpoint of how long you're going to practice, you know, like, Right. When I started practicing in, in 1989, I could have run a three hour practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yep. If I ran a three hour practice right now, they would walk out of the gym on yep. me. What are you yep. talking about? 
I mean, the thing is, I think, I think that's a key thing for the, especially for the, some of the younger coaches is like, I can't teach the way I taught 30 years ago. Right. I teach statistics. If I taught it the way I taught it 30 years ago, I'd be a horrible teacher. Mm-hmm. I, you have to adjust to it. Yep. So I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier too, about, you know, journaling and writing things down. Like, like if you saw my practice plan at the end of practice, first of all, I have to print it out because I'm old school, but it's fold. It, it literally looks like it went through a ringer. Like, right. Cause I'm writing on it. I'm folding it. I'm mm-hmm. like, because it's a working document for yep. me. Like, yep. this is what I want to do. <laughs> um, and you and I have done it long enough that it's like, well, that didn't work to today. We're not doing that again. Like mm-hmm. or those kind of things, you know, I think yeah. it's so important. Yeah. And I, and I think that's that, I think your point's a good starting point, even as you're preparing practice of looking back at yesterday you know, because again, I, I think you're you're thinking ahead. Okay, we we're playing school X Y Z in three days. Here here's you know kind of here's how they play. Here's what we need to do. But did we get accomplished yesterday? Everything that we need moving forward. So I I just think there's so much thought involved, or there should be so much thought involved. Again, length, opponent, upcoming opponent, where your team is at. Um, and then I think you, you need to like, what, what, what do you stand for as a coach? Like what, what's important to you that you're working on every day? Like when I was a head coach every day, it was transition defense. Cause we played in a very athletic up and down league. So every day was transition defense. Every day was rebounding in terms it within not and not rebounding drills but an emphasis within our shell within our within our execution of just rebounding because again game it, it was an athletic rebounding jumping league so you know like what what do you stand for as a coach how much skill development are you going to put in how much i i think again as a college coach and going around and seeing teams practice from a recruiting standpoint you know I don't think, and again, I think any level, probably except for the pros and the pros, they do, they do probably the the right amount. I don't think teams shoot enough, you know, just kids getting game shots. Never and, shoot you know. enough. You never, see, yeah. I've got a shooter in the house that's, that's, that, that just graduated. And uh, he was, the only reason we shot more, it's one of those things that I was always a shooter. I never worried about it. Cause I always got my shots up, but he was always like, we need to get more shots up coach. We need to get more shots up. It's like, it's true. Um, I think a point for, and I'm going to jump in. I think a point for, for practices is know when to leave it. It's yep. similar to parent, you know, like know when you're going to fight that battle when you're not. And mm-hmm. there's been early in my career, I would have spent 30 minutes on the, on, on the help side or pack line or something. And we would have gotten in. I would have stayed. Now it's like, I do it and it's not working. We're going to come back to it. Now, if it's, we play in tomorrow and it's something with how we're going to deal with their screens, we're going to fight through it. But for the most mm-hmm. part, it's like, well, that ain't working. Cross it off. We're going to have to, we'll have to circle back and figure a different way to teach it to them. Because yeah, right. I consider that time so precious yep. that I'd rather use that five minutes to get more shots up or that yep. five minutes to, you know, maybe have even a conversation with one of them. I think that's the takeaway in practice that I've learned from an old dog, you know. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, the time, it, it's such precious time. And, and you know, with kids today too like all right you know they to your point they don't have the attention span for a three-hour practice it's just it's not feasible it's not realistic so like how much 
can you get in with the time? And that's knowing your team too and knowing your kids. And, and that's why, again, if you're doing last year's practice plan, well, this team is different. You know, these kids have hopefully matured and grown and a little better than they were last year. But like, how much can you get done with them? I, I remember one of the first, and I still remember it. And I, I always think about it. One of the first coaching clinics I ever went to as a young coach, um, Gary Williams, who, who was Maryland, Ohio State, Boston College. He was probably at Boston College at the time. I remember him speaking about practice, and, and he said, find a way to leave practice on a, on a positive note. You know, and, and to your point about even a drill, find a way where, you know, it just – you had a good rep. It was positive. It was something good. And, yeah, maybe in your mind you want three more minutes. But you know what? Like, it's not getting better than that. I kind of use the rule of three too. It's like, and I'll tell them that like, boom, boom, boom. If we get it done and we, and we execute and we, everything's good. Next let's go. We're done. Like Mm -hmm. that. That's one of my assistants has been really harping on me. He goes, Steve, we got it. Move on. Like we got it. We're good. We, we, I feel like seven reps is better than five. He goes, no, it's not. They learn the skill. They have it. Let's move on. Like, And I think that's hard for us as coaches and teachers. And sometimes. It is. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a real talent to just kind of know what you're looking for. You know what? I just saw it. It happened. And to your point, yeah, three more times might be good. But is it really in the grand scheme of life? Or, yeah, you, you know what? We can get three more minutes of shooting. Or, or to your point, you know what? You're just pulling a kid aside and talking to him. And right. I, I, think, I think so much nowadays – Coaching is just about connecting with kids and relationships it communicating. and communicating. It's like my brother says, it's like, he says, you always want them to want more. Like mm-hmm. when you take the yes. kids to Disney world, you don't want to keep them there from 8am till midnight. You, you leave at seven and then they want to go back. Yep. Like you want, you want them to, you, that's the thing I've learned with drills too. It's like, if I, if I do it, I want them, not that they love the drill. Most of my drills are game based anyway, but, um, that they they it's not like a nuisance to them i said this right. should be fun like mm-hmm. let's go we we, mm-hmm. we want to get i'm not teaching you the law of signs you know i'm not teaching you trig but yep. come on like we'll do this yep. quick and we can you know do some fun stuff at the end um mm-hmm. i love that uh all right anything else on practice and scheme wise or thought wise i've got some yeah. questions too yeah but. yeah just the other thought i i go back to and again i think it's such a simplistic but and i say that complimentary but such a great line that you know pete carrill the old princeton coach just do things that are going to happen a lot and you know like again and i i was fortunate when i was at trenton state as a 21 year old assistant we were literally 10 minutes down the road from princeton so we were able to go over there and see them practice. And it was amazing how much time they spent on passing, pivoting, shooting layups. And, you know, like, again, like coaches lose their mind. Oh, how, how, how'd you miss that layup? Well, if you're not working on layups, but layups are happening in the game, you're off. If you're running a flex offense and you're getting layups, but you're not practicing kids shooting layups, kids shooting a reverse layup, wrong wrong foot layup you know whatever the case may be then shame on you as a coach for getting on that kid when he's missing layups if you're not working on it so you know if your offense is coming off down screens and pin downs and catch and shoot or side pick and rolls and you're not working on those things that tie back to your philosophy then shame on you as a coach so I I just think again whatever your style is 
work on those things that happen all the time. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, it's like it, it, we picked the flex offense, but whatever. If you, you, we all know the kind of shots you get off the flex or the swing. Well, if that's what you're running, those are the kind of things you should be practicing. It's like yep. I, I, some of the practices I've gone to, it's like crazy. Like, what are you working? Why are you working? You're never going to get that shot. Yep. Like, you're never yep. going to get that shot in a game. So why are you practicing it? Like, yep. yeah, it would look good on YouTube, I guess, but it's not going to be good to win games. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the skill trainers that put stuff on on YouTube videos. And it's like, really? Like, this is like, you know, this is what we're working on. And, or, you know, there's 8,000. I don't know. It's one of my pet peeves. I, I, I don't like seeing workouts and I try not to do it with, with our guys with cones or with things on the floor. Cause they're not there in a the game, right. you know, chairs, I get a little bit to simulate a screen that, that okay. But like the, the chair, okay. I'm going to make 18 dribble moves at this, this cone and then inside out at the next. Yeah. I don't get, I don't get, I, I, I get the cones as, as a person, like, right. or, or a circle around, like we were doing a yep. drill. I was doing a drill with my son the other day and it's like, they were doing some shots. And if he missed, if he missed one, he had to go around the first cone. If he missed two, he had to go around the second. Mm -hmm. So he had to run more if he missed yep. more. It was kind of a shooting thing I had kind yep. of made up. But I was using the cone as like, you just got to run. Right, a person. Yep. Like the ones that you're like picking up balls and right. tennis, I mean, all that stuff, it's like, okay. Yeah. I get it, but let's work on our footwork. Right. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's work on what a pivot should be yep. or a jump stop yep. before we're working on, like, mm -hmm. I tell the guys, he, he, my, one of my best point guards, one of my best point guards, had a move, he was quick as all get out. He's about 5'10", unbelievable. He wasn't the end, it wasn't Wesley who was playing in the NBA and he's going to play for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, he got traded from the Bucks to the Lakers. Yep. He, um, he, I wouldn't consider him a point guard. I consider him a two guard in high school. But anyway, because if he listens to this, he'll be mad at me. You're very good, Wesley. Don't worry about it. You've had a long career. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about what your high school coach says. Um, anyway, Sharif is probably one of the best points guards I've ever coached. He had a move and a counter move. Right. Oh, yeah. And yep. he was really, really, really good at those moves. Yep. yep. That's it. He didn't have the, you know, like <laughs> 16. No one does those. No one does them in the right. NBA. Right. No, exactly. And that's like with our skill development, with our post guys, it's okay. You know, catch your move to the middle counter, catch your move to the baseline counter up and under jump hook. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a simple game that I think at times as coaches, we make way, way more difficult for these kids than it should be because we want to show that we can coach and that we can, you know, we, we are knowledge, but you know, it, and again, that's where I think with practice, like what, what can your kids handle mentally and physically? Um, how long, how much, what, you know, how, how much new stuff or, you know, again, it, it's just a philosophical, you know, are you doing 8,000 things and you're not good at any of them? Or are you, you know, Jim Beheim, we're playing a two, three zone and we're going to be great at it. Right. And, and, you know, it's just, it, it's a philosophical that, choice. That's what I tell young coaches that I talk to <laughs> and stuff. I said, you just got to pick something that you think will work with you and your kids. Yep. That's the kick. You can win with pack line. You can win mm -hmm. with push left. You can win with full court, like pressure. You can win with a two, three zone. You got to I mean, I'm not going to tell you what's going to, what's the best. There's more than one way to do this. Yep. Um, you just got to get good at what you're, you know, and your kids right. have to get good at it. Right. No, exactly. <laughs>
I mean, in the style, like I can tell you from someone that's coached a long time in high school, I, I would rather go up and down the court and I'd rather pressure you, but there's been teams that I we're going to be in the forties because that's what we got to do to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, so it's just going to depends on your teams. If you could only do three things at practice, what would you do? Like, I, I'm going to let you do three things. Yep. Yeah. Again, shooting a hundred percent. Um, depending on again style but but you, your defensive philosophy you know be it shell be it yep. up and down be a tramp but just your your defensive concepts and i think play I, I think i think play i think everything you know obviously skill work is separate but i think anything you're doing there has to be transition it, kids got to play I, I think and you said a few minutes ago like this should and we, I think we all lose sight of this. It still should be fun for these guys. Right. They, they you know, to, to sit here and put on a coaching clinic and show every drill and there's no up and down. Basketball's an up and down game, even if you're playing in the 40s. I mean, and, and I don't know if this was by happenstance, but ever, my entire coaching career I've coached that way. Because I, I wanted to coach the way I wanted what, to, to practice. Sure. I didn't want to sit and spend seven minutes on this – and don't get me wrong, I'll do drills and stuff, but I wanted mm-hmm. to get up and down because I can teach you as well doing that as yep. I can the other way. Yep. Um, yep. And I've got their attention when I do it. To be right. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I, re- I really do have their attention uh, when they're moving forward. How do you, how do you, um, when you were doing your, like, even when you were the head coach, how were you doing your practice planning? Like, like walk us through that process. Yep. Yep. I, I would start with the length, to be honest with you. How long was I going to go? And again, and, and I go back as a young coach where at Seton Hall, where I was, quote unquote, doing all the basketball stuff and the game preparation. And it's kind of like I would meet with PJ and he literally, that's how he kind of started. And okay, we're, we, I got 120 minutes today, or I have 150, and we practice long. I've, we're going to go two and a half hours. So I have 150 minutes and he would literally have, okay, he'd start with 150 minutes. Okay. Here's we're stretching for six. He, he would, I can, I can envision him doing it on the paper. He'd cross out 150, 144. Okay. What's our next drill? Hey everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great, Sports Social Podcast Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.